You've scanned the headlines, read the articles, and liked the posts. Now listen to the experts themselves in the Future of Work podcast, presented by allwork.space. Are you ready? This is Frank Cottle. Welcome to the Future of Work podcast. Our guest today is Sam Marks, an entrepreneur and an angel investor uh, who's been working remotely since 2008. He's currently the founder and CEO of Coworker.com, a leading global marketplace for co-working spaces. Sam, welcome. Frank, always a pleasure to connect and thanks for having me on. Oh, my, my pleasure. Absolutely. You know, we've had some conversations uh, in the past, uh, uh, shared experiences and, and shared uh, data back and forth on the industry. I see that you just recently did a, a pretty handy uh, future of work report. And seeing as all works, but space has been writing about the future of work and dealing with that for quite some time. Tell us a little bit about what's in your report and what you think is sort of the highlights. Sure. Yeah. Well, we, we, like so many other people in the industry and in the world, are trying to understand a little bit more the effects of COVID-19, uh, particularly on the industry, and, and navigate what it's going to look like and how it's going to shape uh, the future of work and the future of workspace. And so what we did is we, this was actually relatively early on in, in COVID, at least in, in the Western countries, but we put together a, a survey and just sent it out to kind of a collection of the different lists that we have, um, both on user side and space operator side, just to understand what really the effects of, of COVID were in the workspace and also what their plans were um, post-COVID looking out into the future and just tried to get a, a better understanding of, of where we were at today and, and what, what the future will, will shape up to be. Sam, when you reference in the workspace or the workplace, mm-hmm. um, are you referring to within the flexible workplace industry, or are you referring to the workspace or the workplace overall? All, uh, how, how encompassing is that term for you? It's a good question. So we, we put this out to our flexible office operators, but then we also put it out to our users. And our users are a combination of people that are working in flexible office space uh, from home and also in corporate workspace. Uh, but we primarily oriented the survey towards what is it like working remotely? As we know in the USA, at least going back to the peak of COVID, 98% of, of the US workforce force was working from home. So we kind of oriented towards what is it like working from home and what will things be like for you after COVID lifts? No, I think uh, we, we've all experienced a lot of, uh, I won't say so much challenges as adaptation. We've, we've had mm. to adapt to the change. And oh, you can almost get a little bit Darwinistic in that regard and, and say the people that have adapted the most rapidly uh, to the changes have probably been the most productive. That is a great quote by Darwin. And I think it's extremely timely for where we're at today. How about you, Frank? I mean, what, what's been the change for you? Were, before COVID, were you primarily working from home or an office or, or otherwise? Um, otherwise, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've worked remotely uh, almost all of my career. Uh, as you know, I started uh, in the yachting career and working for me was in the cockpit of a big racing sailboat. Mm. Uh, so I've always traveled and, and always worked, worked remotely. Uh, yeah, I had my first 
luggable computer. Yeah, it wasn't quite a laptop or a portable, but it was a luggable. It looked <laughs> like a small suitcase. I think it was 80 or 81. Uh, I had my first video conferencing system that I used in my own buildings and centers in 84. Wow. So the, the whole process of using technology to enhance work um, has been part of our work for our own company's process and my personal process since day one. In fact, my first mobile phone looked like the size of a small suitcase in the trunk of my car. Mm. And with this big whip antenna that went from the back of the car all the way over connected to the front bumper. <laughs> that was in 72, 73. I looked like an old police car or something. And you had to, it was, wasn't duplex. It was, it was simplex. So when you were done, you had to say over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and work, work through marine operators and things to, to make phone calls. So I've, I've just always been an early adapter of technology. And you were a, you were a pioneer of this movement. Oh, nothing new, you know nothing new to about, you. <laughs> you no, what they your say about saying. pioneers, we get the pioneers get stuck full of arrows, and the guys that build the railroads make all the money. Uh, <laughs> uh, so tell us tell us a little bit more about your your uh, survey and, and what you felt were the big uh, uh, sort of wows that came out of it. Sure thing. So, so we'll start on the the user side, the remote worker side. So the biggest perk of to when we surveyed all these people, what was the biggest perk of remote working? So all these people for the first time in their life, they're working from home or theoretically, I guess they could work from anywhere, but their choices are very limited because of COVID. So almost all of them were working from home. And the biggest perk was flexible schedule, 74% said that this was the number one perk that they had from remote working. And that was followed by the second perk, number two perk, 70% said it was being able to work from anywhere. So being able to choose their location, even though that during a, during the pandemic, obviously location choice uh, has been limited, but I think a lot of those people for the first time that are working from home see the beauty and possibly uh, exploring the thought process of being able to work from anywhere for the first time. So when it came down to the survey, those were the two biggest perks and the reasons why people enjoyed uh, remote working. What do you think about those two things, Frank, being being an early pioneer in this? Well, I, I wonder if the flexible schedule response came in great part from the lack of commuting. People gained an extra hour to two hours a day um, of time. And if that time was applied across the spectrum of work life, um, that's, a, that's a big difference. Uh, that's a 10 to 20% work-life gain that they're able to accomplish just from that one thing. Um, working from anywhere, I think, caused a lot of people to recognize you can be productive, maybe even more productive by having that work-life schedule uh, and that you don't have to necessarily just be at the formal office in order to accomplish your required goals. Um, and that recognition, I think, is going to cause a lot of people to reassess and a lot of companies to reassess. Um, I don't know about coworker. I imagine your numbers are the same as ours over at Alliance Virtual. Mm -hmm. 
but all of our numbers and all the productivity of the individuals within the company went went up during COVID, not down. Yeah, we're, we're workflow-wise, nothing changed for us. We're already almost an entirely remote team. We're working on centralizing our operations in Barcelona. And then when COVID broke out, we said, well, that's not going to happen for probably another year. So back to fully remote, but not, absolutely nothing changed for us in terms of, of workflow. But I do think it's coming from a background in, in technology companies and always having a, a large presence as a remote first uh, orient, team orientation. It is amazing to me how many companies out there for the first time are using video conferencing or <laughs> messengers like Slack. I, I guess I just assume that all companies had some element of that. Like companies are just completely, a lot, a lot of companies are totally lost in, in this world. But yeah. to your point, uh, even if they, for the first time, are doing some type of remote work or decentralized collaboration, uh, a lot of companies are finding that while it wasn't as big of a uh, you know, disruption to our process and workflow as we had originally thought it might be. No, it, it's funny. I, I was in New York um, the first part of December and I was speaking at a, at a conference that was mostly Fortune 500 uh, attendees, uh, <clears throat> a lot of CEOs and heads of, of uh, strategic planning, that sort of thing. And we were talking about uh, flexibility in the workplace. Most of these CFOs that were there, they sort of had one foot over the threshold, but they're trying to combine the HR department and the facilities managers and the marketing groups and all the different groups and, and come up with the perfect flexible workplace plan, mm. the perfect plan for their company that would be unique and would motivate everybody, help them to win the talent war for crying out loud. Um, and then... January came along and they didn't know what was happening. And February came along and they went, oops, somebody just kicked them right in the ass, right through that door, over the threshold. And automatically they were remote. They had a remote workplace program. And then by April and May, that same CFOs wandering around the totally empty corporate headquarters, scratching their head, saying, uh, the place is empty. The company's running just fine. What do we need all this stuff for? And I think there's going to be some major changes in the way we use real estate in general as a result of this. That is the, one of the biggest unknowns to me is what is going to happen with all the commercial real estate. And, you know, to your earlier point, Frank, about productivity, the when we surveyed the people, 82% of respondents said that they were more productive working remotely. Yep. And yep. this this point I can definitely speak on an individual level about because when I go to when I use co-working space in, in my daily life before COVID, I would always kind of carve out my own area or have my own dedicated desk or even my own little private office. And when I work into walk into team environments now. It's like, I feel like I get nothing done in a day. Of course, meetings are great. You know, collaboration's great. Ideas fuel more ideas. But I think because I've overloaded my kind of daily to-do list in such a format, because I'm used to working sort of with headphones on in a box all day, when I get into more of uh -huh. a team environment, I basically get nothing done. Um, so I'm massively more productive uh, working remote and or working kind of alone outside of a, a team environment. And I wonder if there's a lot of people 
out there there now for the first time actually seeing what it's like to almost kind of have their own private office in a way versus yeah. working in a, a more team structure. No, I, I think that that's important. Um, and I, I, I would agree with that in terms of a, a work process. I, I am by far more productive when I've got my blinders on. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's funny when you re- reference co-working and then you reference teams and you reference almost your own path. Uh, when you started going into co-working centers, you were sort of a digital nomad. Mm-hmm. When you just ex- described your last experience, you were running a company. And I, I'll, I'll make a, a broad statement that some people might like, others might not. Mm-hmm. But I'll say individuals co-work. Companies require privacy. Mm-hmm. They have their own IP. They've got their, their culture. They have their own thing. They want to still be within a community, a larger community. But the, the concept of sitting at a work bar versus having a private office or a team room for your own group is really, we've seen as a transition within the co-working world mm-hmm. um, to where more and more private space is being built, even though the center still has the vibe and the concept and, and the closeness of community. Um, have you been seeing that as well in the, in the structures of centers? Oh, Massively, massively. That that trend was already apparent in our data, but with COVID, it's just become a, a massive accelerating force. Yeah. So that yeah that that was already yeah. shifting drastically, and then COVID's going to just sh- put a shot of adrenaline into that. Um, even even in terms of inquiries on our site, prior to COVID, there was about twenty eight percent of inquiries were for private offices. Now we're not even post COVID right now, but it's already shifted to 61%, I believe high fifties, low sixties. So that's a massive change and shift in demand to private offices. And that's obviously quite understandable with the COVID COVID lingering, but I think more and more you'll see demand move towards, um, towards private offices and less towards desks. And it seems to be a better business model for the spaces as well. No, I, I, I honestly think it is. I remember I was at one of the very first uh, co-working meetings, large co-working meetings uh, that was held, several hundred people there, and everybody was all excited. The industry or that sector within the industry was just just starting to to, to figure out what to do. And, and I, I was in a, an open session that was talking about space design planning, and everybody was saying, open this, open that, open this, open that. Mm-hmm. And I made the, the, the mistake of speaking up. And I said, you know, about every year, you're going to take 10% of that open space and convert it to private offices. And I literally almost got thrown out of the room. <laughs> uh, but, you know, there is a proper blend. And I think what we've seen in the flexible workspace industry is a hybridization between the classic older style, 100% private office business center, and then the new co-working center as it started, which was 80% open space and a few private offices and conference rooms, to where the two of them have found a much better blend now, as we often do in business and in life, of 
saying, well, what's the right mix of those things? Mm. But the importance in getting to that mix is the preservation of the concept and the uh, strength of community added to the whole blend, which we, we used to call it networking, but it wasn't as strong. I agree completely. I think that's what a lot of people right now in this pandemic environment are suffering from. It's that lack of community. It's loneliness. It's not having that social interaction each day that you they're used to at work. So it's another stat actually from the survey is that on the negative side of remote working, what did people say was affecting them the most? And 47% said they're lonely. 55% yeah. said they were distracted at home. And I think both of those things are addressed by getting into a co-working space. Even if you're in a private office, there's community amenities uh, that are available and there's less distractions because everyone that's in that space is typically on task um, versus looking around and seeing all of your, your household items and Netflix and everything else around you. So I think both, both those things that people are saying is affecting them negatively remote working for the first time are both addressed by getting them out of their house and into a co-working space. No, I, I, I agree. Uh, uh, the problem with being in your house working all the time too, is that you never escape the work. Um, that computer's always sitting on the desk or wherever you've got it. And every time you walk past it, you, you're tempted to <laughs> do something. Uh, you didn't go through that commute to make the, mental and intellectual break between work and home. Uh, and I think that's added to the uh, uh, stress of that loneliness as well. Mm. You know, my, my, my only friend here is my computer um, and I can't escape it. Uh, and, and I think that that's impacted people as well. Um, but when, when you talk about change uh, in the future, I look at densities in our industry, hmm. Manhattan, London, Berlin, uh, Hong Kong, places that you're familiar with in, in, in Asia, Beijing. And I don't think the people that I'm talking to are at all concerned with going back to the office. The office can stay clean. You know, we, we can hyper clean the offices and we can be considerate of each other. But I don't know anybody that wants to get on the tube in London. So I think the big change is going to be uh, location changes in work in the workplace. Mm. Getting to the office will be more of a problem than being at the office, as a result of which secondary and tertiary locations are going to become much more popular. Mm -hmm. And we've been saying I'd rather be on a bike path than on a the metro line uh, from a location point of view. Oh yeah. What what are you what are you seeing in that type of a scenario? Oh, it's identical to what you're seeing. We we just published an article about the rise of co-working in suburban and rural areas and on a typical month we'll we'll see pre-covid we're seeing about 350 spaces join our platform each month. Now we're we're kind of down around on looks like about just under 200, so down relatively significantly. But almost all of those locations that are, are joining right now are in suburban and rural areas. And this is really exciting to me as a, as a 
a, a flexible office user myself and also someone that's in the industry is that if we think about the future, what gets really exciting is to be able to walk to a co-working space. If I have to get in a car and drive 30 minutes to a co-working space, I'm probably not going to do it. I probably just yeah. work from home and advise my, my team to work from home as well. But if I can start my day with a walk to a co-working space or a bike ride or even a short Uber ride or electric scooter, whatever you want to do, you know, get out, get some wind in your face, then it, co-working becomes much more accessible to the masses. And, and we think that's where it's going. That's, you know, that's when you get this massive wave of people that are now working from home. And let's sit, look at all these companies that are decentralizing their workforce, all these tech companies like Facebook, Twitter, Square, Slack. When their remote team is allowed to work from home, a lot of them will stay home if there's a commute to a co-working space. But yep. if they can get to a co-working space in five minutes by foot or by bike, a large majority of those people are going to end up in flexible office space. And I think that's that's really exciting for the future. No, I, I, I agree with you. If, if you look at the genesis of our industry, um, um, the classic business centers and then followed by the co-working centers, the highest density was always in the central business districts mm -hmm. of the largest cities. And they were there for a reason. And I think you hit on it. People could walk there. Uh, if you're building a co-working space in 2009 or 10, you want it to be on a busy pedestrian street traffic street where people could walk there or take very short-term public transportation to get there. Uh, it, it was very much a neighborhood-related project. Um, and I don't think that's changed. I think that um, the growth, though, will be everywhere as opposed to just in that central business district. In fact, I think it'll be greater outside of those districts in the future, in the aggregate mm -hmm. um, uh, overall. Uh, so I, I completely agree with it. And I kind of like uh, electric skateboard or electric bike myself. Oh, uh, I, <clears throat> I took a really bad spill on, on one of those, Frank. Those things are dangerous. Got to be careful. Yeah, I know it. I know it. <laughs> Uh, but I'm so hard-headed, I never seem to get have a problem. Uh, um, as long as I land on my head, I'm safe. There you go. Um, so, in, within your survey uh, overall, um, when you were talking, when you were uh, reviewing uh, or interviewing uh, uh, the workers. Uh, um, were they working from home at the time or were they working in centers at the time? Everyone was working from home. So this was after, okay. yeah, this was after everything was getting locked down in the States. You, you were mid, mid COVID in the survey then. Uh, right. Uh, I would say er, early to mid, but this was already after everyone had been work from home. Well, well, you know, it's funny. I forget the, uh, the source on this semi quote I'm going to give. But the essence of a quote is, if you want to change a habit, and I think it was talking about smoking or drinking or some affectation of, of, of that nature, exercise, that if you want to change a habit and you can effectively repeat the habit you want not the ha and drop the habit you don't want consistently without fail for 21 days, you can break that habit. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you look at 
what we've just gone through, we have changed some major habits for three months. And we're still, we're still in the middle of it in many places. So the outcome of the new habits we've created, I think, is where you look when you say, what's the future going to be? And what do you think the future looks like, Frank, when it comes to flexible workspace? Man, the future is so bright, I got to wear shades. It's, it's, uh, uh, I think that for our industry, all the, the next wave, the last wave of, of uh, new uh, members in, the, in our industry, clients in our industry came from millennial and a big startup and a little bit from uh, sharing economy companies. I think the next wave, and I think it'll be a, a, a series of, of massive waves, the surf just got big, is mm-hmm. going to come from government and the global Fortune 1000. If you look at the vacancy factors in our industry on an average basis, and our industry typically runs between 88 and 93% occupancy. If you look at a country, the country of choice, and you count up all the centers and you say, oh, they're average 90%. There's only 10%. They got to have a little flexibility. Okay, so maybe they have 5% available vacancy. And then you take uh, Google. You take Amazon. And you say, okay, if they t- take 20% of their people and put it into our industry, what do we do? We don't have the capacity. There, there is not the excess capacity for those mm-hmm. large, large companies. And so that's going to create a whole new generation of development. And when those companies move out of conventional space, uh, I was just talking to the head of strategic planning from Google yesterday, and he was saying, yeah, we think we're going to be cutting back our use pattern format by about 20% overall. And having those people work in some form of remote work. So that just means to the landlords of Google that they're going to be taking 20% less space when they renew a a location. Mm -hmm. Um, All that extra space is going to be absorbed by our industry because we're the replacement of choice now. Uh, I think we saw it during the last recession period, Mm -hmm. uh, how our industry grew, and I think it'll grow again during the next expansion period, not just the next recession period. I agree. The future of work is... So is, co-worker is, will go and not Yeah, I, <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Thanks for closing off that sentence like that. <laughs> yeah, there'll be twice as many centers um, right. in five, seven years. Well, COVID, I think through all the death and destruction, and have to underscore that because I know a lot of people have been extremely... Yes. Uh, negatively impacted both on business and personal levels. But th- through it all, when it when there's the vaccine and when we get past this, we're going to see you're going to see basically a massive acceleration of trends that were already there. Everything was already increasingly going online, becoming increasingly digital. People were already ordering food online for delivery. That's yep. accelerated work and, and workspace was becoming increasingly flexible. And when this lifts, I think we'll see demand for co-working that may not have been with us until 2025, 2027, that'll be here in just a couple of years ahead. No, I, I really agree. How are you seeing that in your leads and in your traffic analysis at Coworker? What, what trends are you seeing there uh, aside from volume trends? And, well, not surprisingly, 
leads have shifted significantly to a point where it's indicating corporate demand. So leads and inquiries have gone higher capacity. So pre-COVID, we were an average capacity inquiry of 4.5 people, where now in May, again, not even post-COVID, but in that direction, the average capacity is over six. Durations have gotten longer from kind of a few month duration to more than six months average inquiry. And then, like I said earlier, private offices are now making up the majority of inquiries where before it was only it was only in the, uh, the, the high 20s. So basically, you know, hot desking and open seating for the most part is is kind of dead right now. Meeting rooms for the most part are, are dead, but private offices are surging in demand. And across the world, it's, it's pretty interesting looking at markets uh, on an individual basis because in the U.S., we're seeing traffic still down about 60%. Um, and leads are down even further. So we kind of look at traffic as an indication of future demand, where leads and inquiries are an indication of current demand. And across APAC is where we're seeing the most strength in both. So Australia, for instance, right now is our strongest market. It's recovered well past previous traffic demand and lead demand. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, Singapore and Hong Kong are also very strong. Taiwan's strong. And then the Western countries, um, you know, UK is still down really significantly. US is down more than 50%. So we are seeing a lift in where Asia and APAC kind of had the early wave of COVID and a sense made more of a, a, a general recovery than Western countries are lifting. And now we're seeing demand that is, is surpassing where we were previously. Um, so we'll keep fingers crossed that the same will happen in, in Europe and in North America and follow suit. Well, the... It's interesting. I think that um, I agree with you that the larger companies will be driving the volume. Uh, What you're seeing in the six or six plus is what we're seeing also um, uh, in terms of need uh, for space. Uh, Six, seven is probably the the mean average. And so we can correlate our data in that regard. Um, the one thing that you mentioned was interesting, I think, and I think this plays with that crystal ball for the future, and that you said that you saw the life cycle of the customer lengthening a little bit. And one of the things, if we look at entrepreneurial customers, they come and they go as their companies succeed or fail or change shape. Mm-hmm. Large corporates might take 10 workstations or private work team room for 10 or seven or whatever. Corporate, the people may come and go, but the corporation generally stays as a client. So large corporates have a longer life cycle than many others uh, in our industry. And I think that life cycle of occupancy is a huge impact and strengthening the underlying revenues to the industry and its profitability. Agree completely. I think this is all going to be positive for the industry. Just got to bite down in our mouthpiece and and hold out. (laughs) But I do think, you know, we got to kind of suffer a a really tough year. But if we get through it, you know, we're going to we're going to reap all the glory in, in the years ahead that that we wouldn't otherwise achieve for 
even further out. So I hope that everyone out there is listening that's in the industry is, is persevering as best they can and, and holding tight because I, I think all the signs that we're seeing in data and, and, and trends all point to a, a much brighter future, like you said, Frank. No, I, I believe that's true. Sam, uh, we're running short on time here. If you were to have one amazing final parting comment or two, uh, how do you see, uh, you, we've already talked about the industry and this and that, what what major change or what major uh, thought might you want to leave people with? Oh, I think the, the future of work and the future of workspace is, is flexible. And that really excites me because that's, that's how we started the business. When we, I walked into the first co-working space in 2015, I got extremely excited because I was what the majority of people right now are doing. And you've been through this, Frank, but I was, I was working from home. I was working remotely. And when I first saw a co-working space and I saw Tesla was taking out space and Uber was taking out space, but then there was this whole group of entrepreneurs and small companies that were also taking out space in this particular co-working space in Hong Kong. And that got me really, really excited. And, you know, I wanted to create a platform that enabled the discovery of these places around the world. So I thought it was better, you know, it's better for me as an individual. It's, it's better probably for the world when you get smart people in a room together and give them a productive uh, workspace. And so this, this big wave of people that are now for the first time working from home and these companies that are experiencing remote work and remote first workforce for the first time, it's going to stick. And a lot of these people that are working from home now will go through this honeymoon stage of loving the work from home as compared to sitting in a corporate headquarters all day and that commute. But over time, that honeymoon period for most people, I think will wear off and they will want to get back into a flexible workspace. So I believe that the future is extremely bright and, um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it personally and on a business level. No, I, I agree with you uh, completely. Um, it, it's funny, you, you say the future of work is flexibility, and, and, and I would sum that up from a corporate point of view a little bit, that five years ago or even a few years ago, uh, in order to succeed as a company, you needed a killer product and access to capital for growth. Mm-hmm. Today, you need a killer product, access to capital for growth, and flexibility. Flexibility, whether you're a large company or a small company, is now key to any growth strategy that you have. And if you forget the flexibility, whether it's in no matter how you're applying it, you will not succeed competitively in the future. So you're right on when you say that you believe flexible workspaces is the future and a a critical element uh, for all of us. Well, Sam, I want to thank you very much. Uh, Tell everybody how they can reach you if they want to. Sure, Frank. Um, So our our core website is coworker.com and my email, extremely easy. No surprises, sam at coworker.com. Feel free to reach out. And Frank, I really appreciate you having me on. It's been a pleasure to catch up personally and also on a business level. And uh, I, I extend you a, a hearty handshake from Charlotte, North Carolina. <laughs> well, from the sunny shores of Newport Beach in California, it's coming back at you. I'll, I'll, I'll trade you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Sam. Thank you. Thank you, Frank. Bye-bye. If it's impacting the future of work, it's in the Future of Work podcast. 
by allwork.space. Are you ready?